All right. How's everybody? Feeling a little bit better than myself uh, after getting whooped in some Bible trivia? I'm not sure what this means for Jamie and I, but uh, I guess some extra study or something. I'm not sure uh, what this means. We know Clint's strength. Jamie, that just means that we carry different parts for this team, I guess what that means. No, uh, y'all, it's good to see you. I hope that, I hope, man, I hope you've had a great week. And uh, I hope you find yourself here this evening. And man, especially under the leadership of our, our band this evening, um, it's always fun to see the next generation doing what they do, right? Always fun. Really, really grateful for our Abbeys uh, and their leadership, and uh, uh, for sure, uh, what a remarkable time. Uh, so, okay, so you guys know how funny I am? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm really, really funny. So I thought I would just start off with a little bit of fun tonight. Uh, so I probably already messed up because you're not supposed to, like, say that first, right? You know, so, but anyway, y'all can help me out. Uh, real quick. So we're going to start off with things you can say to your dog, but you can't say to your wife. Wow, this is risky, huh? My wife is sitting in this room right now. The things that you can say to your dog, but not your wife. Things like, what did you do? Am I going to have to rub your nose in that? Okay, pretty bad so far. It's okay. It's okay. I, I got better. I, I got better. How's my big girl doing? <laughs> Come here, big girl. How's my big? That's a good one. How's my big girl doing? Yeah, you're getting so big. Look at you getting so big. You keep eating like that, I'm gonna have to put you on a diet. It's not okay. Come. <laughs> You, 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 don't, you can say it to your dog. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, you guys pray for me as I go home tonight. Um, but uh, just don't worry. I'm not saying any of that stuff to my bride. Not at all. I'm smarter than that. I've learned through almost 24 years of marriage at this point. Now, what I have also learned is healthy boundaries are the key to healthy relationships. Right? There's things you do say. There's things you don't say. There's lines you cross. There's lines you don't cross. Uh, that's all there is to it when it comes to healthy boundaries and relationships and all that. They are indeed the key. But here's the deal that's so amazing. Sometimes we get so worried we're going to cross a boundary, we end up not doing anything, right? Christians are notorious for this. Notorious for this. So worried we're going to hurt somebody's feelings. So worried that we're going to cause sorrow to somebody else that you back off from any type of confrontation. You back off from any type of discipline altogether, all in the name of love. It's a real thing. Now, of course, we also know the people that are guilty of the opposite, where they're just, they just don't have as much compassion, and man, they're just jerks. And they just say it like they see it, and they just don't really care how you feel. That's not what, I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we need balance. We need a healthy balance when it comes to our life when it comes to our, our following Jesus, when it comes to life in the church, we've got to have a healthy balance because life is living in the tension, isn't it? It's living in this tension of what we do, what we don't do, how we handle things, how we don't handle things. We live in this tension and that really is life. Sometimes we do well, sometimes we don't do well. But what we got to know is how to handle 
how to handle these certain situations. And these are some areas that we can indeed grow in. We're on the uh, tail end of our series called Wounds. And you guys know we've been talking about this forever long life work we all have, and that is healing from hurts. Whether they're past hurts, whether they're present hurts, even worried about the hurts that are gonna happen in the future and how we're gonna navigate and deal with those things. So, so far in this series, it was similar to a time like today where hurt people hurt people, and we know that. When people are hurting, they tend to be a little more raw and they tend to lash out differently. We've all been guilty of it at some time or another. We've read it in the scriptures up to this point. And one of the things that we've learned, though, is that in our hurts, even when our hurts result in hurting other people, we can learn Jesus came to heal our wounds by his wounds. We, we've learned that because Jesus decided for our good to crawl up on a cross and die so that you and I can live, it's through those wounds that there is incredible healing because in that there's forgiveness. In that there's mercy, there's grace, there's the, the honor, there's the giving of what is not deserved. So by his wounds, we are indeed healed. And the truth is, is that we don't have to be weighed down by all of these hurts in our lives. It doesn't, it doesn't define us. Those wounds don't define us. They're not our identity. Christ is. And as a result, our hurt doesn't have to result in hurting other people. We can resist that because Jesus gave us the ability to and showed us the way. Last week, we answered this question regarding our past hurts, and this is, the, this is a hard question. How long do we have to remain in these wounds? And it's a great question because it seems like they last longer than they need to. They last and last, and it's just like, man, I just want to be set free from this. And there's not an easy answer to the question, but what we did learn is that we can trust God's timing with our wounds. And as, as we talked about being on vacation and the kids, just how much further do we have to go? How long are we going to be in this car? If you'll just look out the window, you're going to be able to see things along the way that you otherwise never would have seen. The same thing is true along the journey of healing from our wounds. If we will look for where God is at work, if we will ask God, where are you in this season? Where are you in these wounds? Where are you? We will be able to see God in ways that we otherwise never have been able to see him. You know, it's been said, I read it in, I didn't read it, it was actually in one of the, um, on you version, one of the, the guys that was talking, guys or gals, like, I'm sorry, I can't remember, it's been several days. But uh, the quote was, we experience God on the mountaintop, we get to know God in the valley. So see, whenever we're in these wounded seasons, we can look out the window and go, Lord, where are you? I know you're here. If I seek you, I will find you. That's what scripture helps us understand. We can trust God's timing with our wounds. We're gonna arrive at the destination of healing or the other side of whatever this time is in the fullness of God's time. God will never leave us or forsake us. He's with us to the very end of our time here on this earth. And so today we get to the third portion. Okay, we're on the downhill side here. Next week's it for this series. Two key elements of healing past wounds. Repentance and forgiveness. 
It's what we come down to. Repentance and forgiveness are necessary for healing. They are needed for healing. Tonight we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let me give a little backstory while you're, while you're getting there. See, there apparently was a person in the church that caused a lot of harm. This person came in and intentionally, unintentionally created a toxic environment. As a result, the church was trying to figure out what to do. Paul got word of what was happening and Paul being who Paul is, you gotta remember Paul was one of the top, the elite of the Jewish leadership. He'd have whooped Clinton neighbors in Bible trivia. All right, he knew it all. He had it all squared away. And he had no problem ripping somebody's head off and spitting down their throat when they stepped out of line. That sounded terrible, didn't it? I'm sorry. But you get what I'm getting at. So Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And he's, I understand this is happening there and um, I'm gonna not come. And that was Paul's way of saying, it's gonna be better for me not to show up. It's gonna be better for you to do because if I show up, things are guaranteed, they're gonna change. But you as the church have got to care for the situation and it's best for the church to do that. And so Paul was encouraging the church to handle the situation. The good news is, is that the church had taken action by this time that we're about to read. They had done what nobody likes to talk about and it's church discipline. They had disciplined the accuser. They had disciplined the toxic person. They had disciplined the situation and the circumstances. And by God's grace, the one who was causing offense to so many and was causing such a stir saw where they were in the error. And they repented. And they were now in a position where they wanted to come back and be a part and a contributing portion because that's the whole goal. The whole goal is coming back together and moving forward in healthy relationships. So we take up the, the story in chapter two, verse five. Paul is telling the church, he says, if anybody's caused grief, he's not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you at some point to some extent, not to put it too severely. His point is, is that, man, you guys are the ones that have been bearing this. And yes, it's frustrating to Paul, but the church is the one that have, they're having to deal with this. Verse six, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. In other words, way to go, church. You did a good job. You saw the issue, you dealt with the issue, and now that is sufficient. And now he goes on to what we're most comfortable with in the church. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort. We spend a lot of time in this, don't we? Forgive, comfort. The point is so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, reaffirm your love for him. Now, that part we read and we go, I get that part. I get love, I get comfort. I get real uncomfortable in the discipline part 
and the hard conversation part, the conviction part. I get real uncomfortable in that. And then we tend to get a little bit uncomfortable even on the other side because if that person who previously had the wrong has repented, they've been welcomed back into community, everything is going well, and now they do something that even sniffs of the wrong again. A typical response is holding that error over their heads. People are really good at this because you burn me once, shame on you. You burn me twice, shame on me, right? That's how the phrase goes. And so, yeah, repent, forgiveness, comfort, you're back together, but just remember, I'm not gonna forget. And we sometimes keep a record of wrongs is what scripture helps us see there. And so today we're gonna kind of work through both these sides. You know, we've got the middle that we get. Comfort, love, forgiveness, we get this. Discipline, forgiveness, this side of holding someone to the, to the way. And then on the other side over here, we've got what happens after? How do we let things go and not hold their feet to the fire for the rest of their lives? Because that's when people get drawn away from not only the church, but their savior in that moment. Now, one thing we know is that it's, it's kind of difficult if you're not the ones involved in what's happening as far as a conflict is concerned. Sometimes you wonder, well, maybe it doesn't really affect you. What you have to understand is, is that any conflict within the body affects every single person in the body. Any difficulty, any offense, it affects everyone. And so if you ever wonder if your life impacts another, it does. There's no question about it. And so in that kind of trying to wonder whether you're, it, it affects you, whether you're personally involved or not, in this instance that Paul's writing about, what he's helping the church to see is that the person who caused all the wounds, all this difficulty, their very presence, just them being in the room, caused toxins to be released into the body. So much so that it impacted not just that particular body, but neighboring bodies as well. And this is a very common thing. It happens on the regular. Now, the good news is, is the church was able to set some healthy boundaries. The church was able to come alongside and say, that's enough of that. Set some healthy boundaries that led to restoration, which is the whole goal of any type of disciplinary action, is restoration to where there's healthy relationships and healthy boundaries all over again. And thankfully, the offender expressed sorrow for the hurts and then repented. And so now that the healthy boundaries were in place, the person was no longer infecting the body, Paul then stepped into what we really are much more familiar with, which is the forgiveness to the reaffirmation of love for the offender. In verse nine, he writes, it says, another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And here's where it comes down to. In order that Satan might not outwit us. 
for we are not unaware of his schemes. This is Paul reminding the church, the battle is not against flesh and blood. The battle is against the forces of darkness in the spiritual realm. And so we have to understand, if there are any wounds that have been caused to you by another person within the body, it's not that person. It's the enemy at work. It's the battle of good versus evil. And the whole goal is that the enemy would destroy not only you, but the entire church, the body of Christ. And so we have to remember that it's not the person. And this is a challenging thing. It's not the person. It's the, it's the fight in the spiritual realm. It's the fight where the enemy is longing to create issues and grumblings to where there's underground tendencies that people are like, can you believe that's happening? And then the gossip train happens and then all this kind of stuff. And, and then all of a sudden you've got a whole group of people that are against this particular person that they didn't have any clue what was going on in the first place. That's the effort of the enemy. And so this is Paul helping us understand we are not unaware of Satan's schemes. The battle is against the powers of darkness in the spiritual realm, which is why repentance and forgiveness are necessary for healing. Because it requires us to take a deep dive in our own lives. When we see something happening where hurt is being caused to another within the body, the question is, am I at fault of causing wounds to another? Am I at fault? Do I look into my life? Where have I fallen short? Rather than it's easy to throw stones at somebody else, but where have I fallen short? Where do I need to repent of where I've been unfair to somebody, where I've been un, unduly harsh towards another person, or where I've said I would do one thing and I did another thing, and it, I know it caused hurt. Where am I? And so when we're in this spiritual battle, remember the spiritual battle is for our hearts. And so that's why repentance is so important. It's not so much that we're telling other people you need to repent. No, it's that we look and go, I need to. And it's not so much that, that, that we're, we're you know, needing to be forgiven by other people. No, no, no. It's that we need to forgive. And so what's so important is that we understand we don't function in a body where anything goes. None of us get to do just whatever we want to do. Scripture is very clear. You can do whatever you want to do, but not everything's beneficial. It's not always going to go well for you to do that. And so, yeah, there's guardrails and there's boundaries. And just like any good parent, when a kid bumps up against the boundary, that boundary pushes back. And therefore, the child knows all the freedom within the boundaries, and they thrive within that environment. The church functions very similarly. And so repentance is a key component. Forgiveness is a key component when it comes to healing. Here's a, here's a good way of looking at it. Whenever you get cut, you get a cut on your arm. Your body does what we, we God designed our body so beautifully, where our body creates its own Band-Aid, doesn't it? But what happens if that scab forms and there's a bunch of junk inside that wound? It festers, gets all pussy and nasty, right? Repentance is like cleaning that wound. 
Repentance is like going in there, and I know it's not fun. Anybody ever have the granddad who you, you cut, and they were like, we got to clean that thing out. <laughs> yeah, right? You ever have any of that one? Like, ah! Anybody's parents like that? That's brutal. But it's true. It doesn't feel good to clean it out. But that's, that's repentance, where that wound gets clean. And then your body is able to form this Band-Aid that helps it heal. And you know what forgiveness is? See, forgiveness is that part where that, that scab begins to come off and what's revealed underneath that scab? Fresh, clean skin that there's no cut, there's no end, there's no beginning to where that wound was. It's all regrafted into the body. This is what it's all about. It's about there's nothing you'll ever do to make me love you any less. There's some things that I'm not going to like very much. There's some things we're going to have to get together on. But man, we're in this thing for the long haul. And that doesn't mean that we get to do whatever we want to do. It doesn't mean that we get to offend whoever we want to offend and act however we want to act. It doesn't mean any of that. Because there's guidelines. We have this book called Scripture that helps us know our guidelines. And when we live according to the way, things tend to work out. But the way is about repentance and forgiveness necessary for healing wounds. And so here's what it comes down to. You gotta practice repentance and forgiveness in order to offer, excuse me, often in order to heal wounds. You've gotta practice repentance and forgiveness often in order to heal wounds. And so when you begin to see something or you hear of something, the first question is, where am I guilty? Do I need to repent? Do I need to offer forgiveness? Do I need to, what is my role to play in the healing? And so let me ask it this way. When you intentionally or unintentionally wound another person, what's your typical response? Is it just to hope it goes away? Is it to run, to ask for forgiveness? Is it to try to come up with a reason to vilify them because they must have done something wrong? What is your typical response when you intentionally or unintentionally wound another person? Can I encourage you to simply practice repentance? To turn from whatever the offense is and go the other direction which is towards the person, because the offense turns you away from the person. Turn right back around and go to them. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, go to them. Ask the Lord to heal whatever your heart is, where you're confused, you don't know what's going on. Lord, may I see it so that I then can communicate so that we can heal our relationship and we can move in to reunification again. Another question, what's your typical response to somebody who causes division in the church? When you see someone who's guilty of dividing the church, what is your typical response? This is an important one, everybody, believe it or not. What's your typical response? Is it to let it go? Because we love unconditionally, which means we don't do anything about this. Let it go. Is it to run to the fight where you're like, dude, I'm about to knock some stinking heads on this deal, right? 
I got this. I got 18 scriptures as to how to deal with this, you know, and you're ready just to go get it, right? Is it to forgive? Or you see it and you're like, I, I just don't even want to talk about it. I'm just, forgive, move on. Is it to hold on to that offense? I'm not going to deal with it right now, but by golly, in the future, I'm going to bring that back up. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that, and whenever that person does something even close to it again, I got this. What's your typical go-to when somebody causes division in the church? Well, the hope is, yes, the ideal is that healthy boundaries lead to repentance, which lead to forgiveness which lead to us being able just to let it go. My hope is that you will be quick to give grace. You will be quick to give mercy. And you will also hold very high scripture. That you will hold the word of God high so as to build up the body of Christ. Y'all, forgiveness sets you free. So basically what we're working through tonight in this, this passage of scripture where Paul's helping the church work out the uncomfortable nature of boundaries, the, the, the comfortable nature of forgiveness and, or, or of, of um, comfort and leaning in, but then also the uncomfortable nature of trust again. As he's helping us understand that this is that whole boundaries lead to discipline, which leads to repentance, which leads to forgiveness, which leads to freedom. This is that idea there. So N.T. Wright, he's got some words. He's a, a writer about this section of Paul's letter. Let's read these words right quick. It says, too often the church, at least in the mainstream of modern Western Christianity, has been so anxious about ever causing sorrow to anyone that it's backed off from confrontation and discipline. Sometimes the opposite mistake is made, of course, but Paul's point is that the right sequence and balance needs to be maintained. And he himself is an example of how it's done. Forgive and forget. Of course, if the discipline has only gone skin deep and the offender returns quickly to the same practices, something more may need to be done. The balance of wisdom and love will always need to be fine-tuned as the story develops. But none of this, in any case, is simply a matter of getting things right in church life for the sake of order and tidiness. It has to do with the larger and darker issue. It's about the church's stand against the accuser. It's about the church's stand against the Satan. We know, Paul says, the cunning plans he is working out, and we mustn't let ourselves be outwitted by him. It's a bigger issue than just interpersonal hurt. It's a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. And so may we be quick to offer repentance. May we be quick to get on the other side and let it go. Healthy boundaries lead to healthy relationships. Wounds in the church are detrimental to the whole congregation, not just the people that are involved. 
And so dealing with church hurt, it requires repentance and forgiveness. And the two have to go together. We gotta work together. The two have to work together so that the, win, the enemy doesn't win through the disunity of the body. And so may we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we find the balance. Wounds are a real thing. And left undone, left to their own devices, they don't heal themselves the way that God would long for them to be healed. And so may we do a fine job together where we look inside and we ask the Lord, where am I missing it? Where are you wanting me to see? May I see people the way you see them. May I see your bride, the church, the way you see her. May I see my life, myself, the way you see me. And Lord, may I live here on this earth in the way you would have me to live. Father, we long to build this body up. Lord, we know that wounds tend to tear it down. We know that things don't just go away on their own. And so Lord, will you help us not to want difficulty, but Lord, where there is, Lord, will you help us to seek you? Lord, will you help us to see that this battle that we fight, this challenge, this, these wounds that we have, they're not the person. They're the enemy. They're the powers and principalities of darkness in the heavenly realm. And Lord, as you desire our hearts, Lord, we know the enemy does too. And so Lord, may we be quick to listen. May we be slow to speak. May we be slow to anger. May we offer forgiveness. May we be quick to repentance. May we see the error of our ways. And Lord, if someone comes to us and opens our eyes to something that's going on, Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to listen for your voice. And Lord, I pray that if we see something in someone, Lord, that in a remarkable effort of love, may we go and may we speak. Father, I pray that you would help us to embody this balance in a healthy way, Lord. Because Lord, we know that's what leads to healthy relationships. And Lord, we long to have that. And so Lord, while we, we don't look tonight and go, oh yeah, we get to talk about this. Lord, in fact, we kind of want to do the opposite. But Lord, we also know that we, we need to be set free by you, by your will, by your way. And Lord, that we do it for the good of your body, for the good of others. And Lord, when we do that, the byproduct is it's what's good for us too. We pray this through the name of Jesus.